Hello, welcome to another edition of the Hoop School Podcast. We got a big time episode today. We're doing our second annual mock draft with one of the best Twitter people, draft people out there, Richard from Mav slash Magic Draft. We're also going to get some Game 1 NBA Finals thoughts quickly before we get into it, but overall, just really excited for this episode. Richard, how you doing? It's great to have you back. I feel like it's been a while, but it hasn't been that long because we did draft weirdly in October last year, so. Right, I was going to say, yeah, it feels like a lot longer, like it was already last July, but it's only been like eight months, seven months. Yeah, so weird. It's a little weird that we're doing this because usually this would be like free agent season, but it just seems like everything is jumbled together right now. The finals are going on. The draft's like two weeks away. It, it's just strange, but it's fun, and we're going to get into it. Um, before we get into the full mock draft, though, don't get to talk to Richard too much. And obviously, Phil and I did our NBA Finals uh, preview pod yesterday, but game one of the NBA Finals happened last night. Suns come away with a victory, 118 to 105. Big performance of the night goes to Chris Paul, 32 points. Um, and zero points after the first quarter. So 32 points in three quarters, essentially. Uh, Big-time performance. Bucks didn't really have any answers. Richard, I saw you live tweeting the game, but anything particular you want to kind of say about maybe the Bucks performance, Suns performance, adjustments going forward, anything that sticks out to you? Yeah, I mean, the three things that were really noticeable were, one, Pat Connaughton probably shouldn't have played as much as he did. I know, you know, he was kind of forced in that situation. But that was weird. Chris Middleton, while he did get hot, I think he settled for some bad shots. It's mm-hmm. not why they lost. So that that is a very minor play into everything. But and then third, DeAndre Aiden is really good, and he's proof that not every center is playable off the floor. I mean, he was mm-hmm. so good on both ends. Getting, I think he got a twenty twenty game. I can't remember if he got the twenty twenty. It was twenty two nineteen. Yeah, I couldn't remember if he had the twentieth rebound, but. I mean, just unreal. It's it's great for the future of the game, too, to see him thriving like that. Yeah, you make uh, – and, Phil, I'll hand you to you in a second. But uh, off the Conant point, it's it's a, definitely not what you want. I mean, I like I like content as kind of like a, a filler, I like to call him, because he does a little bit of everything but not a lead at anything. But uh, I think in a series like this, even though DiVincenzo isn't a world beater, this is a series where they just really could have used him because um, – against the backcourt like the Suns, where the switch everything defense and the drop defense, neither is really going to work particularly well. You kind of just got to give it – just kind of change up the looks and just, you know, hope a couple shots miss. But uh, when they do go small, which has usually been their best lineup with the honest at five, they just don't have a lot of options on the wings uh, when surrounding, obviously, their big three of Drew, Chris, and Giannis. Uh, they're kind of forced to play content. They're forced to play Forbes. Not having DiVincenzo as a filler guy who can shoot a little bit, play a little defense, I think it's really hurting. They were already a thin team, and in a series like this in the NBA Finals, it's a big loss. And I think they really felt it last night more than any other game they played in the playoffs, honestly. Phil, you got any thoughts? Yeah. Um, yeah, I got a quick thing. Just basically what we were talking about yesterday where I was kind of waiting on the Giannis and four shooters lineup. We kind of got an ilk of that last night, I think maybe late into the third and then throughout the rest of the fourth. It just seems like a really sensible lineup. Give Bud, give Bud some credit because he he tried a whole bunch of things and not a lot worked, and then he got to that. And I think they brought it from 19, and that was the lineup that kind of went down at seven. Obviously, mm-hmm. you don't want Connaughton in that lineup if you can, but you're kind of stuck with the situation you're in. So I want to ask you, Rich, if if you if you like the Giannis at the center spot, if you think that's kind of where they're going to move forward, 
Yeah, I like it. My only question is, can you actually run that full time or does that work better in theory? Because I feel like to an extent, there's ways to exploit it. I don't, I really do think uh, one DeAndre Aiden's post game, if they wanted to get that involved is really good. And that is something that he has one of the quickest post hooks in the game. Rudy Gobert can't guard it. What's going to make Giannis guard it. So I don't know. I feel like there are some ways to exploit it. It's just less exploitable. Um, I still think there's a lot of ways to win with Brooke Lopez on the floor, but definitely when Lopez is off the floor, that should be the ideal uh, lineup is having him at the five. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and you made a, a good a point thoughts? about Aiden. Uh, I just got on the Aiden stuff because, you know, you, you say how he's got a, a little post game. And I, I like to call it a quick post game because I feel like when we think of centers, I mean, there's really two There's really two players in the NBA right now, like big men that you can actually give the ball to and they're giving you like a diverse set of post moves, and that's Embiid and Jokic. Outside of that, you kind of have to it's, – it's like a makeshift post game. And Aiton got some good looks off of post touches, but it wasn't your typical like give him the block and let him go to work. Uh, you know, he, he's really good with quick seals. They ran that one action where they got Cam Johnson uh, run to the elbow and they got him uh, – throwing it over the top because I think they had P.J. Tucker on the switch. So he knows how to use his body. He knows how to seal. He's got – he knows how to seal. He has good touch. Uh, so it's just about knowing how to utilize him. Like, no, he's not going to be a – get him to the block and he's going to give you, you know, four jab steps and a drop step, whatever. But, yeah, as you said, he has good – he has good touch. He can shoot over guys. I mean, even a guy like Giannis, like, it's not ideal to bury him against eight in every possession. So – yeah, it sounds good, the Giannis and four shooters, and I think Phil is right that like that probably could be your closing lineup, your crunch time lineup, because you won't have to kind of run Giannis through the gauntlet all game. But Ian's definitely a problem. He's 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 proven me kind of wrong. I thought he I thought he was he was my biggest question mark about Phoenix going to the playoffs, and he's passed every test. Yeah, did you guys pick up that thing? I Phil Simmons talked about it on his podcast yesterday or this morning with that Dane Gundy was talking about the three R's of a big man. It was uh, rebound, rim run, and recover. If you can get those down, it's like at the minimum, you're going to be a very solid starting or maybe, you know, rotation center. Yeah, I mean, that's – it's it's a big part. And listen, it's it helps when you have Chris Paul and Devin Booker in your backcourt. Um, Can't hurt. It, kind of, it kind of takes the pressure off of you offensively. And, I mean, those guys, you, you can give them a high volume of ball handling and you're, you'll live with the results, so – but right. long, long series, there will be adjustments made. For sure. Shall we get into it? You ready to mock, Richard? I'm ready to mock. All right. Nathan? Let's do our mock. Do you have a preference first or second pick? Well, Richard's going to take second because that oh, was going to be – okay, sorry. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, that's going to get him both magic picks. Um, gotcha. And then uh, – I don't uh, – I don't care. I'll take uh, – honestly – I'll take first because I have a little bit of a zag. I, I presumably want to do it for. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. I think okay. I know where you're going. I've heard enough, <laughs> but I think I know where you're going. I'll see what Richard thinks about it. All right, Richard, you ready to go? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. So second annual Hoop School podcast, mock draft. Excited to get it going. We're going to do the first round. Uh, Hoop School Mavs and- draft combo. Yes, yes. <laughs> hopefully, hope, hopefully this will be a long-lasting um, partnership. The, no, no, no one better to do a mock draft with than uh, Richard from Mavs. Mavs slash Magic Draft. I don't know. If, oh yeah. I don't know if the name change was there for last mock, but it's here for this. No, mock. no. Okay. I uh, it was informal then. I I'm a Magic fan too. Grew up. Uh, yes. I I mean, I think I've been over this from Orlando yeah, yeah. originally. So 
kept the magic part to, since the maps traded away their pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we got, we got you both magic picks out of courtesy. Uh, but let's get it started. Waste no more time. So I'm going first overall, Detroit Pistons. I think it's chalk. I, for me personally, and Richard, I'll let you expand on this play in a little bit. I love this player. Um, there's certain years I don't love the top pick in the draft. I feel like people are kind of zagging away from him this year and like saying there. I mean, obviously there are question marks. No player is perfect, but I just think it's like trendy to kind of knock a guy like Kate Cunningham, who is the first overall pick and who I'm going to take right here. I think it's Taylor May for the modern NBA. I think he's in that like Luca mold. And I know that he's not Luka Doncic, Richard. I don't want to, I, I know you, you, you know, you know, Luca as well as anybody. And Luca's a transcendent player. Um, Luca's probably someone that I think has like the most value today in the NBA. If I had to choose a player right now, I choose Luca Doncic and Kate Cunningham will not be Luca Doncic, presumably, but I do see shades of Luca in his game. Six, seven, six, eight playmaker, shot maker, can dribble the ball, can pass the ball, just a super skilled guy with physical gifts. Kate Cunningham to Detroit Pistons. I don't think there's much of an argument. No, no I think not that's... a lot of argument. Sorry, Rich, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, I mean, I, I just, I don't think there's an argument for anybody else. Like you can maybe argue, you know, he won't end up the best player in the class, but there's no argument that he's not worth the number one pick. Yeah. I'm a big fan. I've been a big fan since I saw him in college. So. Yeah. He's legit. Uh, one thing I wanted to kind of counter with on your, on your Luca comparison, I agree. His impact on the game is definitely of that ilk. When I, when I watched him move in college, he looks and he feels like a legitimate Paul George clone that just was grown how to pass more, you know? <laughs> I do see similarity with their, like, athleticism. Like, they've similar – he's not the leaper that, like, a prime Paul George was. Right, But right. Um, he, he's I just mean the way guy. they move on the floor. He's mm-hmm. very smooth. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of glides on the floor. Yep, so I'm going Kate Cunningham, Detroit. Um, do you have anything else to say about Cade, Richard, or is it just it's all been said at this point? No, I think it's all been said. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, Phil, Houston Rockets. Oh, wait, wait, no, timeout. That's Richard, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Ooh, sorry. We're going to We're going to Good. I, I, I feel like this has become more 50-50 than it needs to. I'm still going Evan Mobley. I, I just feel like he's the second best player very safely on my board. Um, he's a, you know, you don't really worry about position of need right now, even with Kevin Porter Jr., I've heard people say Christian Wood kind of prevents you taking Mobley. It's the most short-sighted thing I've ever heard. If you take Mobley, <laughs> even though, you know, it's kind of risky to take bigs at the top, he's still the second best player. He does everything. Yeah, I think uh, risk-reward, Mobley is definitely one of the highest, if not the highest by a very decent margin that he's going to be one of the better guys to come out with in four or five years. Yeah, I think I – think, um... People would be shocked, I think, if it didn't go Cade Mobley at the top. But uh, hey, we'll see. Crazy things have happened. Yep. Um, all right, number three, Phil. Right. Cleveland's on the cock. Perth, bit short and sweet. Um, obviously, they're trying to get rid of Sexton, or maybe I, I think they're trying to build around Garland, o- Okoro, and uh, Jared Allen right now. So they're going to stick with Jalen Green. Uh, there's not a lot to say. This is kind of like a one one at, or you know Cade, and then two A two B. At least for me, I thought Mobley or Green. Mobley's probably going to go second, but there is the ability for switching around. I think Mobley will probably stay second, but Jalen Green coming third pick makes a lot of sense. I think after this, it kind of drops off in terms of well-rounded prospects. Now we get to the point where it's like all these guys have really significant good spots, but they have some glaring holes that kind of need some fixing. Now, I've done a little of my homework, Richard. 
into your draft into your draft um, journals. I know you are not particularly high on Jalen Green. I don't know if Phil knows this, but I believe you have him as your sixth prospect. Am I, am I correct? Oh, I did not know this. Yeah, so just to clarify, I'm not low on Jalen Green by any means. Um, okay. I'm just very high on Book Knight, and I also believe in Kuminga a lot. Uh, and a man I found my own heart. Green. What was that? I'm, I'm a Book Knight stand as well. Perfect. Okay, so then this isn't <laughs> too hot here. Uh, no, I mean, I just – Jalen Green has probably the second-best ceiling in the class outside of Cade Cunningham. You could even argue he has number one. Um, I just think there's some more obstacles than the G League showed to getting there. I think the ball handling needs to improve a lot for him to really unlock his full upside and use that elite athleticism. And, you know, maybe I'm just over reading into that, but that's kind of holding me back. And that's why I put book Knight over him is, you know, I'm super high on book Knight, and I can justify Cause I feel like he's a, no matter what top five talent, we'll get to that. But Jalen green was just the guy to fall more than him being a true six best player. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I mean, Nate, do you have any thoughts on Jalen green? I like green a lot. Uh, I, I think that his mold is great for the modern NBA. Uh, I, I see what you're saying, Richard, and the ball handling definitely comes, needs to come. Uh, I usually, and listen, ball handling, I tend to kind of give players a benefit of the doubt, unless they're guards, unless, unless they're guard point guards specifically, and they have ball handling concerns. I usually give wings the benefit of the doubt because I think it's something unlike a lot of other skill sets that, I think a lot of it just comes down to repetition and just um, getting good coaches, you know, just learning, just, just learning how to dribble. It just takes a lot of work. And I think that I've heard glowing things about Jalen green. Um, I, I listened to some of Jared Jack's podcast and he said, this guy's an absolute grinder. He has all the tools. So I like green. I think that he's, the, I'll probably have him as the third best prospect. Um, but yeah, as Richard said, I misquoted a little bit. It's not because he's low on green. I think it's more so that he's high on other guys. But um, what's well, like, the narratives, man? You trying to change them? Yeah, you trying to change these narratives? I dictate this. I mean, you know, I dictate the narratives. <laughs> I do. But um, all right. But I think this is probably where most people expect the top three to go. Um, so let's go to fourth overall pick right now, Toronto Raptors. I said I had a, a zag here. So at the fourth overall pick. I'm doing a slight zag, not a huge zag, but this is a player that I think has been dipping down draft boards a little bit from what I've seen just on the Twitter sphere. And Richard, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm taking Jonathan Kaminga with the fourth overall pick. I like his upside. I know that right now he's got a ton of things he has to work on. I know the jump shot needs work. I know the feel for the game needs work. Um, just overall, he's a very raw player, but I think for a team like Toronto, Listen, people say the Raptors are a win-now team. I don't think they're really a win-now team. I think this is a team with some very good players, but realistically, this is not an infrastructure that should be looking at a championship in the next two to four years. This is probably a team that should be looking a little more down the road. And I think that – but at the same time, it's probably a team that's not going to be drafting this high in a very long time. And I'm going upside pick here. I'm going Kaminga over Suggs. I like Jalen Suggs. I don't see, you know, generational superstar talent. And listen, Kuminga might bust out of the league. I know I've, I've listened to one of your podcasts, Richard, when you said that that is actually his floor is busting out of the league. And I get that. But at the same time, I think his ceiling is, you know, multiple time all-star just with the physical tools. He does have some shot making ability. I think we have to take consideration that he played in the G League. If he didn't play in the G League and he played Division One basketball, I could see him maybe having a season similar to that of what we saw uh, from Anthony Edwards at Georgia. I don't think he's the shot maker that Anthony Edwards is, but just being able to physically dominate a game, 
you know, and maybe his stock is different if he has a season where he's averaging 20 plus points per game in division one basketball. I just think it's a great upside pick for a team. That's probably not going to be picking here for a long time. I would go Kamingo over Suggs at four. Yeah. I mean, it's an absolute swing for the fence with Suggs. You know, you get a surefire guy who is probably a 15 year veteran, just the way he plays and everything. It just screams that guy and he'll probably have multiple all-stars. But if Kaminga hits, you get a point forward, you get a really good athlete, a two-way point forward, which is the superstar molt. Like, mm-hmm. I, I also buy the shooting a lot more than the numbers suggest, so that's that's another big thing. And if you do think that, you know, the shot comes along, yeah, he's probably the better prospect. So, like, in terms of ceiling. And also, Toronto's the perfect spot for him, so I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I fully yeah, go agree. Go. Toronto going – Kaminga in Toronto makes too much sense because – I, I like your point where they were just uh, Toronto is probably not going to be in this situation again. You got to go with the best opportunity you can. Cause realistically, if you just take a Jalen Suggs and he's a run of the mill, really good high end starting point guard, where does that leave you as opposed to taking a star, you know, trying that out, seeing what happens. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that's, I mean, he, he reclassed up. So he's, he's even younger than the players. I mean, he's younger than even other G League guys. I mean, he's not even 19 years old yet. So it's, it's, it's a complete upside pick. It's just kind of putting somebody in your farm system, essentially. And now you're starting um, the Tatum narrative. I am. Listen, Hey, he's all, not even every, every day counts, but um, I got some thoughts on Suggs also, which is why I had some reservations, but I'll save that for when we actually take Suggs in the mock. But uh, for me, this is, yeah, this is an interesting spot for Richard now. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so let's move on. But uh, it seems like we're all on similar pages. I like this, and I think there's actually a move that they could make. Um, so it's not like completely outlandish. But uh, Kaminga to Toronto at four, and that puts you on the clock, Richard, with your beloved Orlando Magic at fifth overall. Yeah, I'm taking Jalen Suggs, not even thinking twice. I don't care about the guard stacked, the stacked guard position. Uh, and then I'm probably going to lose out now on Book Knight, uh, knowing now that what I know that there's multiple book night lovers in here, <laughs> but um, okay, I, boys. I think we ride I think this is a very, what was that? The book was ride strong. Yeah. No. So, I mean, this is just a very clear cut example of best player available and I'm not ever going to overthink this. I uh, want to no. So this is, this would be the pick. I, I would take Suggs here as well, but um, the way we talk about Suggs, I, it just reminds me of a way we talk about – I've talked about a player in the 2017 draft, I believe it was. Uh, the way we talk about it, it, it kind of reminds me of the way we talk about Lonzo Ball. And I'm not saying he's the same player as Lonzo Ball because there's some differences. But I do see some similarities. And a lot of people – listen, I like Lonzo. He's a, he's a, good, he's a good NBA player. Um, but I don't know if he has star quality just because of his lack of off-the-dribble game because of his lack of finishing at the rim, because of his lack of elite shot making from the outside. You know, he's not super quick. He's got good size, but not elite athleticism. Kind of similar to Suggs, in my opinion. Um, I think the shot's probably a little more reliable out the gate than Lonzo Ball. But uh, I see Suggs more as like a very solid, kind of like he's a point guard, but I'd probably prefer him not be my primary ball handler long-term and hey listen to me that's still worth the fifth overall pick because the draft is tough to nail and if you can get a guy who's a starter because Lonzo was a starter um then that could be worth the fifth overall pick in itself but that's more so the way I view Suggs um and those top four guys that we list above him I see more star potential uh is that kind of accurate Richard I know you've obviously done more homework on it but that's just how I look at it a little bit 
to an extent, I think he does actually have a good amount of star upside because look at the Gonzaga situation and he had to play weird positions, like weird roles that he won't be playing at the NBA level. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, he's not going to always be in a permanent three guard lineup where he was in Gonzaga with Nemhard and Ayayi, who neither of them are really shooters. So I think that also limited his playmaking ability at Gonzaga. Yeah. But also, he's just such a great athlete. He can get his own shot. He can defend. He can shoot a lot better, I think, than the numbers suggested at, at Gonzaga. So I think I think there is going to be some star potential with him. It's just not nearly as high as the other four people in front of him. Are you okay. sure we're not going to be seeing any Michael Carter-Williams, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs lineups? <laughs> well, now that Steve Clifford is gone, uh, Michael Carter-Williams is not coming back. I'd be very surprised. <laughs> That's so he's not definitely coming back. not. And that's how I'm going to dodge <laughs> the question. Fair. <laughs> All right, so what we got? OKC? OKC yeah, yeah. at sixth overall. All right, yes. I'll make it short and sweet. I'll take Book Night. Oh, Obviously, it's man. more of a swing. It's more of a swing. People predict him to be a little later, but some people ride with him. Obviously, Oklahoma's going to go for the biggest shot they could take. And at this point, you're looking at like Scotty Barnes turning into Draymond Green or hopefully Book Knight turning into some form of CJ McCollum or you know some kind of scoring guard. So why not take take that kind of gamble? James Booknight to the Thunder. Yeah, I mean, if he goes this early, then it's not impossible, but I don't see many mocks having him this early. Uh, but I know, Richard, you are a big fan. So, I mean, you could talk about him for a second if you want. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, has the potential to be the best scorer in the draft. I think his playmaking is a lot better than it was – you know, shown to be a Connecticut for reference. He had the second highest assist per game total at 1.8. So it's very clearly, I think that's a UConn problem, not a James Book Knight problem. Um, decent defender can absolutely get his own bucket and kind of a late bloomer to basketball too, if you're into that stuff. Yeah. Have you guys seen the podcast? I think it's Gilbert Arenas. I forget what it's called. He had Earl Watson on it and he was talking about Jason Tatum. And he was talking about the different flows of how they react in offense as opposed to guys having just, like, set moves they go to. You told me anyway. about this. I, I understand the idea. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting. And when I'm for prospects, I try to see if I can figure out what he means when he's talking about that. And I feel like, you know, Book Knight has that kind of energy where he's able to figure it out on the fly and actually not just, you know, yeah. go back it's to a re- step back a, right now. Yeah, it's a read and react kind of thing. Being able to read yeah, and react exactly. as a scorer instead of coming into, like, a calculated idea of what you're going to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, Book Knight's an instinctual scorer, which is in itself hard to find. So, I get the hype. All right. Seventh overall, Golden State. This is a weird situation because I, I would personally be very surprised if, the Warriors don't trade a bunch of stuff, like a bunch of picks, young players, whatever. So I, and I don't see the win now player on the board right now. That would really help the Warriors like in a title pursuit, which presumably what they're going to do next year. I don't personally see it. Um, I'm going to take Scotty Barnes and I got a lot of questions about Scotty Barnes. I think that offensively, it's pretty much a disaster scoring the ball, even though I think he has a really nice steal for the game. And defensively, he does some advanced stuff. But honestly, when I'm taking Scotty Barnes here, I'm kind of investing in the person. I I really like this guy. I really like his demeanor. I really like his attitude. He seems like a team-first player. He's got great physical tools, so that's a plus. 
Um, I'm not completely sold on him. I'm not 100% sure what he is in the NBA because I think the jump shot needs a lot of work. I don't think he finishes particularly well in any in any facet. Um, just offensively, I'm, it's, it's hard for me to see a role with him on the floor right now. But I'm investing in a guy with great tools, who knows how to play defense, who, know, who understands the game, team first player. So I think at seven, it makes sense for Golden State. And again, I would probably... I would be surprised if Golden State didn't look to trade this pick or trade whatever player they drafted. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I like Scotty Barnes. Personally, I had him as high as three before the G League season started. Um, then I moved him down as soon as that began. But, you know, he's a 6'9", six, 6'8", six, guard who has center measurements. He has the same wingspan, I think, as Charles Bassey. So that's really impressive. Um, the other thing with him, though, is, you know, he wasn't a great finisher. I think that had a lot to do with how many double teams he saw at the rim, not actually like, you know, one-on-one situations he finished fine, especially against wings and guards. But how often will that happen in the NBA? Are teams going to crowd the paint? That's a that's really what it comes down to, because he can get to the rim at ease because he's just so long and his strides are Giannis-esque. But to be able to finish over defenses, that's what will really unlock everything. And I've always said his shot is a bonus, not a flaw. So I don't, I don't think that's okay. going to hold him back a ton. Yeah, it's a good enough. point. Yeah, I, I – listen, I, I, I took him here, so I, I like him. Uh, I just think – you know, you say his shot is a bonus, and I, I agree because he did a lot of good stuff on the floor. Um, but I think kind of mechanically there's some issues there that need to be ironed out. I don't think it was really an issue of, like, he's just missing shots and needs reps. Um, like I think a guy like Jalen Suggs who shot like decent, you know, I, I like his shot. It looks good. And I see that kind of translating pretty quickly. Scotty Barnes, his lower body looks kind of off to me. He seems very rigid. He doesn't really rotate his hips on his jumper. And you can tell me if I'm wrong, Richard, but that's just how I see it. And I think it needs a lot of refinement. And, you know, we know the, the modern NBA, very few players can really survive on an NBA floor if you can knock down open three. So it just, I, I think at some point it's going to have to come along if he wants to be you know, playable. Unless you're Giannis Antetokounmpo, which I don't think anybody's uh, projecting him to be. Right. And I mean, yeah, that's what's hard about picking this high is are you going to get the value back? Mm-hmm. Phil, you got any Barnes takes? Uh, no, I like Barnes. I think he, he was really good at Florida State and he really comes out as a Draymond Ilk. He falls into my, I wasn't going to get into this now, but I'll just throw it out there. I have an island of wing boys. It basically is comprised of Kuminga, uh, Barnes, Johnson, Franz Wagner, and Keon Johnson. And, yeah, Kuminga was first and uh, Barnes was second. So we're following in suit to that specific category. Okay, that's good to hear. I'm happy to hear that your island's working out. Yeah, yeah, we're happy on there. Okay. All right, let's move on to the eighth pick. Richard, you're up again with your Magic. So you're pretty much the Magic's GM tonight. Um, hopefully, you make, hopefully you make yourself proud in some kind of weird metaphorical world. But you already got Jalen Suggs, uh, eighth overall pick. Who are you taking here? Yeah, so can I actually start this with what I think will happen? It's not at all who I'm going to pick, but it, it's just a little uh, thought-provoking thing, which I think they're going to go Alper and Shingun. Uh, that's not okay. who I'm picking here. Uh, okay. But I, I want to predict that. I want to have a record of it. I genuinely think they're what's up locked in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that they're going to, I think they're going to try and find Vucevic 2.0. I, however, as the GM of the magic here am not doing that. I'm going to take a guy who I think he replaces the value of shooting that Evan Fournier brought and 
while you know they're in the rebuild, eventually they will need it. They don't have a ton of good shooters, and I'm going Moses Moody from Arkansas. Okay, all right. So this is interesting because I was, I've been, you know, I I watch a lot of NBA throughout the year. I don't watch a ton of college basketball because it's just hard. Because I don't blame you. But <laughs> NBA games are on all the time, and it's hard. But uh, I watch a lot of tournaments, and right before the draft, I kind of do my YouTube videos. And, you know, I was doing some Moses Moody research and I was talking to Phil earlier today. I was like, I like this Moody guy. I like this Moody guy. And Phil's like, I don't like this Moody guy. So you you give your Moody case and hopefully you can sway Phil a little bit. Because I like him. I like him too. Are you, are you want me to give my Moody case first or am I Richard the uh, his, defendant or the, or the no, uh, Richard can, Richard can give his, his Moody case first. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm I, sorry because you've been dropped him. I thought he was in here. My bad. Uh, no, I think he's limited. I don't – a lot of people will say, oh, he's Chris Middleton. That's way too high of an outcome. That's like a 5% chance of happening. I'm taking him with like having the role of a 3 and D guy, which – we know that matters on a team. If you're trying to rebuild, you eventually do need those role players, the high-end role players, to really complete a rebuild. I think that gets lost. You know, you can get the stars, and those will get those guys will get you places, but you can't like fully complete it. I don't think unless you have a complete team around you, and that's what Moody does. He's the connector. You know, he could have some Mikhail Bridges, Justin Holiday vibes to him. That's those are two names I threw out in comparisons where he's just great at defense and great at shooting. Doesn't really need to do a ton else. So mm-hmm. I. I think that's the main sell with him is, you know, if you don't ask him to do too much, that's when he's going to be at his best. Yeah. That was kind of one of the things I didn't like about him where it's like, it seemed in Arkansas, he, he was given a lot and he obviously tried to do it and he could, you know, obviously get around people and get over people specifically in college just because of his sheer physicality and you know, athleticism. But I just thought that his shooting numbers are going to take a more of a dip or just kind of stay where they are, where they're not very solid in terms of NBA translation so I still think he could be a decent role. I personally would have rather taken swings on higher upside guys now than in the future. I think he's going to be like a spark shooter, though. That's kind of his – I always thought of him the ilk of uh, Malik Monk, and then Nate gave me the information that I was wrong in comparisons. There's I told a vast difference in size. <laughs> yeah. He's got a few inches, but – yeah. But all right, all right. He's, so he's not a Sug- horrible pick. He was probably a few spots lower for me. Suggs and Moody for Orlando. All right, you're you're, you're happy with that as a as a Magic fan, right, Richard? Oh yeah, yeah. Back it's not the a. Future. The only downside with it, kind of like you said, was it's not a high upside draft. It's a very mm-hmm. hey, we got two guys that are part of our core draft. Yeah, yeah. That's not like the cornerstone. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll get the first overall pick next year too. So. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's. So Sacramento on the clock now, Phil. All right, um, this is just a sad spot. I guess we just go for Marvin Bagley 2.0, and no, I don't mean his brother. (laughs) We'll just take Jalen Johnson, and hopefully, the idea of Marvin Bagley actually works out this time. That's all I have. I I am not too big on Jalen myself. I think Sacramento might actually be one of his worst landing spots, but he does have these one of those other guys who, man, the floor is low, but if he hits like that ceiling is top five, no question. He had the, I would say the two best games of any prospect this year, at least two of the top three, his game against Pittsburgh was one of the best games I think I've ever seen from a prospect where he had um, 24 points, 16 rebounds, seven assists, four steal or four blocks and two steals. I mean, it's almost a five by five in college, and he had five fouls. If you want to add that towards the almost five by five, 
And that was all in 33 minutes. Like that is unprecedented for any prospect to put that up, that number up as a freshman. So his ceiling is crazy. And then he also had a 20 or 1919 and five with four blocks against Coppin state. doesn't matter. It's Coppin state. It's just insane. So I, I don't know if Sacramento is the landing spot for him, but man, like if they hit, like that's the guy who gets him out of purgatory. Yeah, um, I'd love to hear who you think is more of a fit for Sacramento because when I was going through this, I was trying to figure out like where oh, does it go. <laughs> I don't know. There's no answer. I mean, they just need. Yeah. They, you kind of hit it though. Like they need the best combination of just a high upside, like whatever. It doesn't really matter position. Probably not a guard, but you just want right. a high upside. Yeah. Sad. Sad situation. All right. New Orleans. Hop over to Nola. I'm struggling here, man. I'm struggling. I see some options. I see some players that I like, but it would probably be a reach. New Orleans is tough because I don't really know what the roster is going to be like next year. I don't know if Lonzo Ball is going to be there. Uh, I mean, right now, they they don't really have a whole lot of anything besides Zion and Ingram. Those are kind of the two guys you're pretty sold are going to be for part of the cult for now. Um, <laughs> I'm going to – I'm going to go – because I don't love the options, I'm going to go upside. I'm going to get a guy that I think can make an impact defensively off the bat um, just because I don't – I think the guards would be a little bit of a reach to take any of the guards right here. So I'm going to take Keon Johnson. I you know, think he's the best – He's when I watched film, he was one of the best athletes I've ever seen in college basketball, but right next to Zion Williamson, ironically. And, again, a guy who I have a lot of question marks, similar to Scotty Barnes. Um, but I think defensively he can make an impact right away. I think there's some shot making tools there. I saw some film where, you know, he did have some shot making, but a lot of it comes in transition. A lot of it comes in kind of like unsettled, awkward spots. You know, he doesn't really have a, a bag of moves right now, but the upside is there. I mean, he could turn to, out to just be Derrick Jones Jr. And he never really becomes anything besides the guy that enters dunk contests. But at the same time, if he's coached up, I think he does have some star potential. So I'm going to take, Deion Johnson at 10. Yeah, I think Keon's one of the hardest players for me to figure out. But you look at the defensive upside, I think you said it best. Like, he's so athletic. And that's because, like, for me, the big thing with him is he has stopper potential. You know, you can be really mm-hmm. good defender and a great defender. But there's guys who are just straight-up stoppers. You hear about the LeBron stoppers, the this player stopper. And Keon has that potential. Offensively, I think the jump shot is the swing skill. That's really what's going to keep him from, you know, that's going to be the decision maker or the difference maker, excuse me. Uh, kind of Marcus Smart-esque on that front, though. Mm. Yeah, it's a good comp. I, I like Keon Johnson as a prospect. At first, I didn't like him at all. And then I started seeing him in the ilk of <clears throat> Gerald Green when he was in Houston. And they ran that ridiculously weird small ball where I think Gerald Green was the four or the five. I kind of like that idea of Keon Johnson if he's in a situation where that lets him kind of just – Free roam, switch everything. He, I think he'd be really good in that. Yeah, there's definitely some NBA skill sets there. It's just got to be polished. But again, I didn't right. love the options. And like New Orleans is a weird situation. So I'm not exactly sure. Like, like if if Lonzo's not, if they're looking to move off of Lonzo, then maybe I would have looked guard. But I don't. I, I like Lonzo honestly more than any of these other guards, probably. So uh, I would just kind of, and I don't think he's a good fit with any of the guards remaining right now. Maybe one or two that I'll look at to later. But uh, I think Keon Johnson works for New Orleans here. Yeah. So uh, that's 10, 11. We have Charlotte and Richard, you're on the clock. Yeah, you scared me when you started the last one with best defensive prospects. I thought you were in a better defensive prospect. I thought you were going to take my guy. 
Um, I'm going with another defensive uh, monster, I guess, but at the front court position, because Charlotte, I think, is about to have zero true bigs on their roster if Cody Zeller leaves. So I'm going to take Cody Zeller 2.0, and I'm going to just get like a little bit better on defensive end, uh, more upside on that with Usman Garuba. Mm. Good pick. Yeah, Richard, tell me a little about this guy. I, yeah, I'm, yeah so I, I've, I've looked a little bit into him. I mean, these international guys are a little hard because I, I struggle with the like who, who they're playing against sometimes. And I know he's got a ton of defensive potential. I know like physically, uh, there's a there's a lot to like. But um, give me some pro- player profile. Yeah. So um, I mean, again, defense. He, he has zero defensive flaws. He only the only defensive negative I could find on him is that he can sometimes overcommit to like if he's the last guy to help on an open shooter where he's like oh crap this guy's open he can bite on the pump like guys will just get him in the air but that's such a minor flaw that that's really irrelevant because you could say that about literally every single player to ever touch a basketball so um that was i tried digging and that's all i could find there's very little defensive flaws on him he's got decently long arms seven one seven two wingspan uh great lateral quickness i truly think he can guard two through five He's a good passer in the short role. I think he's a really good passer just overall, though, inside the three-point line. Um, if you liked Okonglu last year, I think you kind of have to like Garuba. He just has less offense. Got it. All right. Well, okay, fair enough. I liked, I liked Okonglu, so probably like Can't him. Can't complain. Can't complain. Yeah, and I like that for Charlotte as well. Because Charlotte – I like Charlotte's team. I actually thought – it was kind of disappointing this year because I thought Charlotte could have – um, if Gordon Hayward was healthy, who I thought was having a really good season, they you know, maybe could have snuck into the playoffs. And with all these injuries, I mean, who, yeah, they who could the have hell, made some noise. Who, who the hell knows what would have happened? Not saying they would have won the <laughs> East or anything, but you know, and uh, but like physically and just kind of toughness wise, defensive wise, they're just lacking. They they need they need that because they have a lot of perimeter players, they have a lot of skill on the outside, they have a good amount of shooting, but in the interior, it's it's, it's soft. There's really no other way to put it. So I think that would be a nice. A, a nice plug and play and also a good guy to kind of pair with Lamelo ball going forward. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he, All right. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, him in the pick and roll with him would be unreal. Yeah. So we're talking San Antonio now. That's you, Phil. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking big swings as well. I can't figure out which way to lean uh, right now. I'm looking at like big swing prospects like Kai Jones or Giddy. I'm, I'm not sure. Cause they have DeJounte Murray. Obviously they have Kelton Johnson as well. They don't have any big men, but I feel like the consensus in the league is that Giddy has the more upside. I don't know whether I, I'm fully agreed with that or not, but I think for the safety, the safety pick, I'll roll with Kai Jones. Kai Jones, all right. You and your Texas big men? I do like Texas big men, yes. Not this year. I mean, he's a sophomore. He has that kind of very athletic – he basically plays like Mitchell Robinson, obviously, and basically any of the big men from Texas, Miles Turner, uh, Jared Allen, you know, the kind of, that kind of shtick where they, at the minimum, they come in and they're rim runners and they're, they're rim protectors. Yeah. With Kai, I mean, he's got to improve his team defense and just overall basketball IQ. You can tell he's still pretty raw to the game, but his physical tools are just unreal. You look at the upside of like Jaron Jackson Jr. For example, it's just so similar. He's got the ability to guard one through five. He can sit down in the stance and take anybody. Um, he can hit jab step threes. It's just the unicorn potential. Like he is another unicorn candidate. Nate, any uh, 
Any extras? Yeah, I think it's a good opportunity for San Antonio. I mean, San Antonio doesn't really have that play right now. They could definitely use a vertical threat. Um, it's gonna be that's another team that's weird because I'm not exactly sure what they're gonna look like next year. They got a lot of young guys. I'm not exactly sure what they think of them, and we're thinking DeRose is not gonna be there. But those those players in the Kai Jones mold, it's always good. They're they're good to have, especially on young teams. I think because it makes the life of your guards easier. So I, I like that yeah. spot. All right. Next up, Nate, we're throwing it back to you for Indiana. Uh, Indiana, now coached by Richard's old friend. Richard, what do you think about that? <laughs> hey, he got he got done dirty in Dallas, but at the same time, it was uh, kind of the necessary move. If you're not part of the solution, you're not you're part of the problem. So it was tough. Uh, we, but I've yeah, maybe later on. I'd love to coaches. hear about your thoughts about Jay Kidd on the, uh, the new coaching squad. Yeah, we can. Yeah, it's, Dallas. Yeah, you, I you can know, take care of that in ten seconds. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't like it. That's it. <laughs> Short and sweet. <laughs> I don't think you're getting any arguments either. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a huge uh, kid guy either. But uh, I would talk about it when the Dallas. When Dallas is a pick, but uh, you can talk about it about the Knicks pick maybe because that's dang that hurts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Indiana. Indiana, another team that – I mean, they had a really weird season. But with Carlisle, you'd think there's going to be a little more stability. So I'm going to go with a player that I think should supply stability. Um, Carlisle's not – listen, I don't think the Pacers are ready to, like, contend. But I think it's a, still a pretty ta- talented roster. And Kyle, Carlisle's not coming to a team that he thinks is going to be entering any kind of rebuild. So I'm taking a player that's dropped a little bit. but And, you know, dropped for a reason. I passed on him a couple times. But – I still think this guy is going to be a quality NBA player. I think he at, he knows how to play the game, and he plays defense, kind of like Scotty Barnes, but a little less physical tools, and I think he has a little more polish uh, with his shooting. I'm going to take Franz Wagner here for the Pacers. I think he can kind of fit on the wing. The Pacers have a little bit of a hole on their wing spot. The health TJ Warren, obviously a question mark, and helps him defensively right away. Maybe gives him a little bit of shooting, but um, – yeah, I think Franz to, to the Pacers makes some sense. Yeah, he's another one of those uh, hard evaluations for me. But at the same time, you know, he's a kind of do it all. He's like a master, uh, what is it? Jack of all trades, master of none, which almost is a good thing under Carlisle, especially at a forward. I would love to see him with Carlisle, even though he has a terrible reputation of developing rookies. I actually really like the fit there. Yeah, definitely. I was when you were talking about it. I was jumping between: is he going Kispert or is he going Wagner? And Wagner's a better choice to go. Just his versatility is just a little bit more right now. Yeah, I don't love his upside as a prospect, but I think he's a good fit for the Pacers. So yeah, that's why mocks are fun because you could kind of pair it with the the team fit. All right, cool. So, uh, Richard, you're with Golden State, and now Richard, keep in mind that Golden State already has Scotty Barnes drafted. So now we got. Golden State, again, 14th overall. You're on the clock. Man, I am going to get the complete opposite of a player of Scotty Barnes. And I'm just going to get someone who fits perfectly with the gravity of Golden State and kind of goes back to what got them to be Golden State, what they are now, or I guess two years ago. Uh, And that's Corey Kispert. I'm going to get them the best shooter in the draft. I really like the fit next to Steph. You can play him in any lineup. You could also pair him with Scotty Barnes and it makes Scotty Barnes a lot better. So I, I really like the fit there. I think he fills the need 
that you can just never have too much shooting, especially next to Steph Curry. So that's my pick. Yeah, you put Steph, Clay, and Corey out there. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Who... Yeah, that would, that would be a yeah, player I'm... they probably wouldn't want to trade if they. Uh, yeah. I, I, they're 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 probably my most intriguing team of the off season because I think this this kind this year kind of showed a how damn good Steph Curry still is, and then b that this supporting cast is nowhere near enough to supporting him uh, in the pursuit of a title especially given the uncertainty of what Clay's bringing you. So I think they're going to be heavy negotiating trades, but Corey would be a guy that they'd probably want to keep because he fits right into what they need. I mean, the more shooting around Steph and Clay, like the, just the more lethal that whole offense becomes, especially with Draymond as well. Yeah. That'd be a good fit. All right. All right. So we got, I'm in Washington now. I don't, Aaron it's really McCann, tough to Castle. gauge. We escaped really the lottery. tough to gauge the Washington. Yeah, they escaped the lottery. Good for them. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot those made the, made the playoffs. That was fun. That was a quick. That was a quick fun time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the Washington pick is very tough. We really don't know. Almost like the Warriors, we really don't know how they're going to look back come to the end, beginning of next season. It seems like they're going to run it back, but are they really going to keep this pick and just like find a role player or see what they can find, get someone that can contribute right away? I don't know. Um. Yeah, so having said that, let's let's Yeah, having said that, you still need to make a pick. (laughs) I do need to yeah, stop dancing around it. I guess I guess I'll just roll with a weird one and Washington goes for a fit guy and they roll with Butler. Or Butler. Yeah, I'm not committed to it in a slight. Sounds very confident. (laughs) Interesting. So Butler goes before Davion Jones also, which is interesting. Or Davion Mitchell, sorry. I don't know why I said Davion Mitchell. Um, Okay, but Phil, yeah, I know you're not huge on the the Baylor fellas. Um, The Baylor boys, yeah. But uh, Richard, what what would you make of this pick if they did go Butler? Do you think this is too early? Do you think this is the right spot? I I loved him in college. I mean, I I picked Baylor to win the national title um, at one of the – Brackets came out now at the beginning of the season. And I, a big part was Jared Butler. I think he was he's a really, really good player. I don't know if he has the skill set to be a starting point guard in the NBA, but I do think he's perfectly made for a backup spot, maybe in the similar uh, – kind of like how Jalen uh, Brunson plays, maybe similar to that. Yep. I don't know. Um, what do you make of Butler at this spot? Yeah. So, I mean, you kind of said the name I was going to throw out there with um, Jalen Brunson, but – I had Jalen Brunson as my 15th ranked player in 2018 because of the same role. Even though, I, ironically enough, I have Jared Butler like in the 20s. But that's because the, I, I value the middle of this class a little bit more. Um, but you have a guy who is a rotation backup point guard, mistake-free. For most of the year, I think until April this year, it was Jalen Brunson was in the 50-40-90 or flirting with 50-40-90 as a backup point guard. Like That's a very valuable thing to have in your backcourt off the bench. So he's a guy who, barring the hard issues that held, held him out of the combine and even flared up, you know, years ago when he was supposed to go to Alabama, you know, barring that ending up hurting him, which I hope he gets to play in the NBA, he will not fail. He's a guy, again, 10 plus year in the career or career in the NBA, can play defense, can run the offense, can play off ball, just does everything you want in a backup point guard. Like he could be the very best backup point guard in the league for years. Yeah, that was kind of the only rationale I had at this point. I'm like, I guess Washington definitely needs more. 
from everything. So start at the top, I guess. Yeah, and it's really I'm I'm yeah. intrigued to see where Mitchell falls at this point. Intrigued. So um okay. Let's go to Oklahoma City now. At sixteen. Now Oklahoma City, we already got James Book Knight. So hmm. I mean you could go any which way here if you have a thunder, but uh, I feel like I want to take a guard, but I also uh, we have a lot of guards on the team and I like we have Shea now and we have Book Knight. Um, uh, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Phil, I'm struggling here. I am going to take uh, Jesus Christ. Do you want a lifeline? I'm going to take thought. Cam. I'm, I'm going to take Cam Thomas. I'm going to wow. take Cam Thomas. Did not yeah. see that coming. I'm going to take Cam Thomas. Yeah, that is. Um, I, I know he's like kind of similar to Book Knight because they're both all of Book Knight's better. Uh, but in the modern NBA, I don't think you have enough shot making. I don't think you have enough shot creation and he's going to be a situation where he's going to, he's going to grow through kind of whatever struggles he has early on. Um, I think he has one of the best skill sets in terms of just scoring the basketball in the class. I mean, right up there with book night, obviously, uh, I mean, Kate Cunningham is better also, but I, I, out of the guys you just listed, I think Cam Thomas is, you know, one-on-one situation, get a bucket. He's probably better than any of them outside of Cade, um, Jalen Green also, and Book Knight. So I'm just kind of buying into that skill set, hoping he can get coached up. The feel for the game needs massive work. Defense needs massive work. Doesn't really know how to pass the ball. But also I think working off of Shea will be nice. And, uh, yeah, I'm just I, – I love the baseline skills, and I think he's a guy who got coached up. Um, I just think his skill set is hard to find in the NBA. So I'm taking Cam Thomas here. All right. They, I, I can respect that approach, too, because you kind of said it. You can't get enough scoring in the NBA. In worst-case scenario, say I'm completely off about Book Knight and that he at number six is a flop. You might found, you might have found someone who would be just as good at 16, so, like, it makes up for it. I think there's something to be said for the fact that Cam Thomas averaged, like, a turnover and a half despite shooting, like, 15 shots a game. And while people, you know, he had, like, an even one-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio, which is a flag, but he can't pass. But – you know he's not going to turn the ball over and getting his own shot, which, like, yeah. again, you can kind of counter it each way. Like, some of his shots were turnovers, if you look at it that way. <laughs> but the most interesting thing I did was if he took out one – because he did this once a game. I think it was a very fair um, very fair test, I guess. Um, if he took out one shot a game, take out one miss, because he would shoot himself into a miss once a game for no apparent reason. If he took that one <laughs> shot out, he – went from 40% shooting to 43, which is like very respectable. So yeah. I think, I think he's a lot better than he's giving credit for. Yeah. He's, he's definitely a shot creator. He can get his own. Um, you might be able to say that the spacing at LSU might've been conducive to why he had to take such bad shots so often. So maybe in the NBA, the things will look or change around. Honestly, I don't know if the OKC make a big difference in terms of uh, spacing and help, but yeah, I mean, why not take that swing? Yeah. Hey, I, I didn't I didn't love the uh, the wings here and I decided to go shot making and did uh, positionally, Richard, I have a question about him. Can 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 you play the three, you think? Or no? Like, is there a world where a lineup of Shea, Book Knight and Cam survives? Say they all theoretically get better defensively. Like, can that survive on an NBA court? 
I mean, SGA and Book Knight are good defenders. Cam will not be a good defender. That's I'm ready to say that as a fact. He will never be a good defender in the league. Maybe neutral at best. But yeah, I don't think it works. You could maybe, unless the other team goes small. The only way you could do it is ever if they match. That's it. Yeah, to yeah. finish out that lineup, I'm assuming you're putting Dort at the four and Poku at five? Uh, Poku's actually playing the one. So Okay, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever, what you gotta po- do. just fill it in around Poku. Okay, well... Okay, see, making some noise, taking Cam Thomas, 16. Not done yet. Uh, not done yet. Not done yet. Uh, 17 now. That's you, Richard, the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, so I'm going to take the guy who I think they actually will take in real life, too, at this exact spot. Uh, it's hard to leave Jaden Springer on the board, but I think they're going to go Josh Christopher from Arizona State. Three-level scoring Ooh, okay. upside defensive upside I think he can play make a little bit he's you know Memphis I was on a podcast earlier where I was talking with Memphis people and we were talking about how you know Memphis has gone for the safe pick that's just been so low hanging like they got Desmond Bain they got Xavier Tillman Brandon Clark they got all these guys that they're like all right nobody else wants them we'll take them but eventually you have to start swinging for the fences to surround your star and Josh Christopher is that swing for the fence and I also think he's got good role player upside worst case scenario so that's who I'm going with love his game all around Huge swing for the fences, though. Yeah, no, I'm a big Josh Christopher guy. I can't blame you for for taking a swing up at this at this point in the draft. And the way he plays is very similar in terms of early James Harden. Obviously, you're going to get that comp from both being from Arizona, Arizona State. But I mean, I like him. I like him as a prospect a lot. And was thinking about him for a late Knicks pick, but oh well. <laughs> yeah, I like Christopher as well. Uh, I didn't think he was going to go this early, but I can't knock the pick because I think he's got a lot of talent. Uh, another thing, I watched, for some reason, I don't know why, I feel like Arizona State did a lot of those weird preseason tournaments, and I watched like three of their games before the NBA started really going. Uh, that team, I didn't like the way they played at yep. all. And he, he, he knows how to play. And I think a lot of like the inefficiency and maybe some of the turnovers were kind of a product of the, the fact that Arizona State played – just a, a bad brand of basketball in my eyes. And he kind of tried his best to, to piece it together. Um, I think he's a pretty, he's a better passer than the numbers show. And he has a better feel for the game than if you just like watch or look at the box score, maybe. Um, because that team just kind of, in general, just it, it didn't seem like they knew what they were doing. And it was, they just ran up and down like an AU team. <laughs> and sometimes he'd show his talent, but sometimes it would kind of hurt him. So I think the NBA game where he's, on a team that's likely better coached and with better structure, with better players around him, more shooting, more spacing, all that, it's going to, it's going to benefit. All right. OKC pick. Yep. That's you. You, you've really muddied the waters for me. Cause I know. <laughs> just, OKC... just take, just take another, just take another take, score. Yep. Just take another score. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was going to go with, I, I didn't know who you were going to pick in that last one, so I was like, okay, I guess I'll just line up with Giddy because it makes sense. Obviously, OKC is just going to swing for the fences because there's no reason not to right now. I'm still going to have to stick with it, so I'll take Giddy. But you've really just stymied the way I had it going. A little Shea and Giddy backcourt, but... Oh, gosh. Oh, Irish Shea, Book Knight, and Giddy backcourt, you know, whatever. Three-man point guard situation. <laughs> I mean, Giddy, Giddy can't play the one because Poku is. I don't know what's going on, but... <laughs> you got me there. Giddy's All right, so yeah, I'll I, take Giddy. Yeah, I like yeah, him as a prospect. Yeah. You know, I, I've been interested in him ever since people were talking about the Knicks taking him when they had the 27th pick. 
far back in the beginning of the season, we were elated. Um, <laughs> yeah, I always thought he was a very interesting prospect. I don't know if teams taking him in like 13 or lower are really going to get what they thought. He seems like he's a good prospect anywhere above, I think, 17 to 18, in my opinion, because then you're going to get what you what you expect out of a 17 plus pick. Anything more, he might be a little too raw. Yeah, Giddy's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I, Richard, give, give your thoughts. I am lower on Giddy than most. I don't think he's a surefire lottery pick. A lot of people have him like top 10. I'm not there at all on that because while he's like 6'8", 6'9", whatever he is, he can't shoot yet. He's terrible off the dribble. That's really the area where it is. And I, I actually kind of buy the catch and shoot, which is really helpful because he's an electric point guard on ball. Like there's, I mean, he might be the best class, uh, excuse me, passer in the class that includes Cade Cunningham, obviously. So there's that. The on-ball potential is incredible, but uh, he can also shoot off-ball. But the real issue is that he can't defend. Like as a six-nine point guard, how can you not defend? That really worries me, and he can't shoot off the dribble. There's some flags around him. I don't think his floor yeah. is as high as it seems to be. Yeah, his burst is uh, concerning. Yeah, I struggle with Giddy. Like, I like the idea. I think it's fun. Um, you know, six eight wizard passer, like that, that's all good and well. But in the NBA, where unless you have a super duper star, you know, Kawhi, KD, LeBron, whatever, Luca, who kind of transcends positions, those guys, it's uh, you need your point guard to be able to, to initiate offense. And if he's not, and if he's not going to be a knockdown shooter, it's kind of hard to imagine what his role is going to be because right now he's, I think he's like better in theory than he is on the court right now. So a lot of those issues have to be ironed out, but uh, it's intriguing. The potential is intriguing. But, you know, I agree that I think people are kind of getting, like, enamored with the idea of him rather than what the product is actually going to be. Yeah. yeah Especially that, in the league what... he was in with LaMelo just coming yeah. out of it. People are like, ooh, if he did yeah. it there, look at Giddy's numbers compared to that. I completely agree. I mean, he was the rookie of the year. And people are trying to find the next Luka Doncic really badly because, like, you watch him pass out of traps and it's the exact same thing. They trapped him at half court, found cutters and spot-up shooters with ease. But the thing is, is like that may not necessarily one. He's not going to face traps like he faced in the NBL, which got him, you know, to be the playmaker, getting those numbers that he did so young. I do think he's, you know, he's going to probably stick, but I just don't know if it's going. He's going to stick as well. Like you kind of said it best. The idea of him is better than the actual version. Yeah. All right. All right. That, Nate, you get to. The- you get I your awards. I've been I, I've been plotting this whole thing. You guys thought it was so I could get Richard the Magic picks, but it's really just so I could get the Knicks nineteenth <laughs> pick. So here, I've been saying for a while because listen, the Knicks we need a point guard so badly, and I oh. didn't like the point guards for a while. Okay. But then I did some research, and I uh-huh. thought I did I, I did like a point guard. Oh. I like I like this one point guard very much, and I think his skill set's awesome. I think it perfectly fits into the modern NBA. Uh, he's got good size, which will make Tibbs happy because I don't think Tibbs would ever play two undersized point guards, uh, him plus quickly. But uh, this is a guy that I think if he was a freshman, he'd probably get a lot more buzz. I love his talent. I love what he does on the court. Trey Mann to the Knicks at 19. Interesting. Hey, you're really – You're talking to the Trey Mann fan club president. Good. So tell the me more, shot creator. I think yeah, he's the best shot creator Nate, in the class. Nate, you really tricked us. You kept saying point guard. He's a point yeah, guard. yeah, I don't think he's a point guard. To be fair, I thought yeah, you were he's going a combo guard. Combo, th- yeah, I think right, he's going to Cooper too, which is the scariest thought. Well, Tankathon lists him as a point guard. 
Nah, he's not a point guard. He's yeah, no, he's, he's a point combo. guard. And if if Lou Will is a point guard, he's a point guard. All right, so I call him point guard. <laughs> That's not what you should have taken right. away from that. Let me let me, pre- <laughs> I, let, let me preface it with I hate nothing more than positions. I think they're stupid, and totally I hate calling fair. I hate I hate calling anybody anything. So uh, whatever, he's a guard who can handle the ball. Fair enough. I think you need yeah. him with another point with a true point guard, like someone you know who is more pass first. That's how you maximize him. To be fair, but I love the pick. You know, I love Trey Mann too. He's he's a big time shot creator. He reminds me a lot of uh, Jordan Poole, but he just seems like a lot more put together, and he's figured out a lot more things in the time he spent in college as opposed to Jordan Poole. Yeah, I mean, I think listen, Knicks could use him. We we need some more. We need some more offensive initiation. We learned that in the playoffs that that was still kind of our biggest weakness, especially coming from Sherry's on point guard, but he, he could. If he can bring the ball up and he can work off of ball screens, I mean, can he pass? Can he pass at a pick and roll actions, Richard? To an extent, it's just he still looks to score first out of pick and roll. That's really the difference maker. He can, but okay. he prefers to score. Okay, okay, fair enough. Well, we can we can we can build off of it because right now we have, and, and I like his size too. Like, there's probably you think there's some defensive potential there. I don't think that's that's what he's high at right now, but not. I mean, he plays the passing lead as well. That's re- like if you, yeah, he can force turnovers. That's his defensive potential. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Let's well, go to the A. Yeah, we're back in the A, and that's with you, Richard. <laughs> yeah, like probably it. not the best spot for y'all. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> no, I'm gonna stop Jaden Springer's fall. I'm gonna take him. Love his uh, two-way potential. Really young. Can potentially shoot the ball. It's a swing skill for him. But really, just well-rounded guard. I think this is a dream for Atlanta. Yeah, totally agree. This is who I was thinking at this point. It makes a lot of sense. He reminds me a lot of Malcolm Brogdon just being like a like a strong, heady guard that can you know do what he needs to do and plays within himself. Yeah, that's a really good comparison is Brogdon. I mean, he his upside is to have that at least that impact in that role. Yeah. Nate, thoughts? Yeah, I like him. Steady, solid. I think he'd be an un, uh, a nice guy to put next to Trey too because I think although – Atlanta, they have a ton of intriguing wings, and the front court looks a little more interesting than we thought because O'Connell gave you some solid production that I think even probably some guys at the Hawks organization were surprised by. Uh, I'm still not 100% sure who Trey's like, consistent backcourt mate is going to be. It's not going to be Lou Will. And even though I like Kevin Herter, I think he kind of suits a little better as more of an off-ball role. Um, so I think they could use like a solid defensive-minded, could shoot the ball, point guard shooting guard, whatever you want to call him. Jaden Springer, yeah, cool. sounds good to me. All right, I'll make this next one sweet and short. I'll just take Duarte <laughs> and I'll let it go. I think he's a really good fit for the Knicks. He makes a lot of sense. His offensive package is kind of what you see is what you get. And it's pretty well-rounded and it fits a lot of the things the Knicks need. I'm really surprised that you didn't go Cooper again. Um, oh, well, I guess again, but the Knicks didn't go again. That – you went to that the Knicks now got, and I don't disagree with this approach. I was just kind of shocked because, you know, all you hear is how they need point guard. But I actually do like it because both of those guys that you got, Trey Mann and Chris Duarte, they're going to be impact players year one, especially Duarte. Like he can play both on and off ball, and he's kind of the same way. He forces a ton of turnovers, and he's just a good defender. He doesn't have any standout uh, traits on ball as either a defender. He's not a lockdown guy. But he's also just not going to mess anything up. And that goes on the offensive end, too. He simple playmaker, doesn't turn the ball over, also doesn't force a ton of turnovers on ball. But off ball, man, you can't throw near him. 
Yeah. Yeah, I like Duarte a lot. He's one of my favorite college players. Um, obviously older, so take what you want from that. But um, super productive. Jump shot looks good. Good size. Knows, knows how to play the game. I would be happy if we ended up with these two players. And That'd be a now very, I don't know who, very good way yeah. to end it. And now I don't know who to pick for the Lakers. There is a slidden man. A man has slid so far. I from the still don't. Of the I, 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 two, two men have slid. That's true, yes. Uh, one of them I definitely don't want for the Lakers. Are you mm. sure? He's like Drummond, but less bouncy. <laughs> Uh, I mean, like, I'm looking for shooting. I'm not sure if I'm finding it. Uh, could just Would go like a consultant. Would you like a consultant? <laughs> um, What's that thing in the cube where they call Dwayne Wade? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh. All right, I'm gonna go crazy here. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Trey Murphy. Oh, okay. okay. I like it. Okay. Um, yeah, just you know, like listen, I don't, I don't really know what to do with the Lakers right now. Um, if he can pop and he can play like a Desmond Bain type role for LeBron and AD, then that's cool with them. You know, I mean, they're drafting at the end of the first round. Like, I think they're just looking for role guys, just for role players that can help them out. Now, I don't see the huge upside right now. Um, so I went with a solid shooter who can hopefully make an impact year one. Uh, who would have you taken if you were to consult with me, Richard? Oh, I was going to tell you JT Thor. Um, okay. Being also high upside front court player. But another interesting thing that popped in my mind right as you were p- making the pick, I was like, he's going to go Zaire. Because if, you, if you're if you going big brain here, uh, <laughs> if you're going with the big <laughs> brain take, his son, like Bronny played with Zaire at, at yes. Sierra Canyon. Eh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, Gallup's Probably not too take. far off. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I actually do think it is on the table. I think it'd be ridiculously dumb considering who was on the board, but who knows? Yeah, I just don't think Zyre is very good right now, but there's a lot of potential for sure. <laughs> All right, that's Lakers at 22. We got Rockets at 23. Chris, uh, I don't know why I said Chris. Richard, you got Rockets <laughs> 23. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, well, yeah, so they got back-to-back picks. Uh, they went Mobley at two, so this makes it really hard. I want to take Thor, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to stop the slide. I'll just take Sharif Cooper. They need they need as many lottery tickets as they can get this year. Sharif Cooper exactly is one in at 23. I mean, that's a steal of a pick. I, I love his quickness. I don't, you know, I, I do think his shooting will come along. It's a big flaw, but he's skinny. He won't be good on defense, and I worry about him finishing at the rim. But he's a lottery ticket. I would take him at this point. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of Cooper to the Knicks uh, noise. I just, I just don't like his fit with quickly. That's kind of why I went away with it from him. But um, yeah, he's definitely got a lot of skill. Yeah, I like him as a prospect outside of the Knicks. I don't think the the shooting concerns definitely don't fit, and they won't make him look any better on a Knicks squad like what we have. Yeah, Houston, I can agree to he that. He can run free. Yeah, he'll he'll have a lot of freedom in Houston. Um, and Houston going back to back. Phil, you got you got him again. Yeah. All right. Let's let's think for a second. I'm trying to think who's 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 interesting. I want to take another big. I might just let for I let Davion just, just hang out in Houston. That's not a high upside pick though. 
Yeah, I'm gonna have I'll to roll get with uh, this. This this Davion slide is interesting, especially because Bill Simmons thinks he should, he should be a top six guy. Six? <laughs> yeah, he's Bill Simmons says that he's like, you know, I don't know if it's a top five. I think it's kind of a top six with Davion. <laughs> well, Bill Simmons just... gets these ideas. <laughs> well, he just watched the Final Four, so you know. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> All right, with that, I'll ask for. Sort of a lifeline. I'm going to give you two options for the Houston. Do you go upside pick and Greg Brown, or do you roll with Zaire? No chance I touch a Greg Brown. I wouldn't even. I, I mean, I, I'm going to say something very bold. I wouldn't even draft him. Top six seed. So. Hmm. Okay. Wow. Big anti Greg Brown. I, I love the hot takes. I'm going <laughs> to before before we leave. I'm going to ask for three hot takes, and that's. <laughs> Is that are you planning to use that one? <laughs> uh, yeah, you can, we can circle back yeah. to it. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. But the two got to be hotter. <laughs> I mean, book night at five, I think, qualifies. That's pretty hot. <laughs> That's a good point. But Phil took right, your I'll seat take, with that. So. All right, Phil. Yeah, I'll take Zaire. I was, I was big on the book night. I, was, I felt I good knowing I had a confidant as well in the high book night praise. So I felt more yeah. confident in coming out of my shell saying I like book night and, and anywhere <laughs> above the top eight. Uh, so I'll go with Zaire Williams. Yeah. Richard, yeah, can you tell me about this player? I mean, I, I, every time I watch him, I, I don't see impact, but... <laughs> I want to learn more. Honestly, you asked if I could tell you about him. No, because I don't. I can't figure him out. <laughs> no, but he he's got the upside because he's a six ten shot creator. That's really what it comes down to. He can somewhat defend, um, especially on closeouts. He's really hard to shoot over, even though he has a square wingspan at six ten. He, you know, I mean, it's just that size. That's a wing. It's really hard to shoot over. So. I, I think you're looking at on-ball defender and potential shot creator. That's what the upside is, which at 6'10", as a small forward, that's kind of the superstar mold. Like, so you're looking at a lottery ticket, but he has so much he has to learn to improve. First of all, he's incredibly streaky. Um, he also had one of the top games of a prospect this year. He had a triple-double versus Washington. Um, he needs to refine his shooting form. It really comes and goes. Some some nights it looks super clean, and the other, you're like, what happened to you? Like, did Michael Kidd Gilchrist <laughs> – come in and like coach you like what 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 went on here um but he struggles to shoot over closeouts like i said the shot is just so inconsistent that he just needs to get more discipline just all around yeah has he had a bunch of injuries either before he got to college also that also that the stanford season was whack like they i i don't know i i don't really think it's fair to judge him off that entirely just because this everything about it was weird covid um him himself facing injuries it's it's just a bizarre season yeah the few Stanford games I tuned into early on he just had this gigantic Gronk-esque thing on his knee I was like how how is he moving around like that he just can't he couldn't get any movement yeah that's uh those are concerns for sure well all right so but that I mean that's that's high upside for the Rockets to get Cooper Zaire and Mobley those are I mean three guys who are uh freshmen and uh, three guys who definitely can who have a lot of talent. Clippers, I can go a couple routes here. I've narrowed it down to three players. Um, I am going to take Alperin Sengun for the Clippers. We didn't take him yet, right? No, no. that's a steal. His, yeah, okay. his fall from yeah. races. So I'm going to take him, and I don't know – I, I mean, this guy's a good basketball player. He's he's a good player. It's just all it's just all about how is this guy's game going to translate to the modern NBA. Um, he's not a shooter yet, 
defensively, like there's going to be questions because he's seven feet tall and not particularly quick. But on a team with two superstars, I mean, presumably Kawhi will be back. If he doesn't, then that's just a mess. But presumably two superstars, presumably a good amount of shooting around him. A guy that, hey, in a certain matchup, maybe you can, like, imagine if they had a guy like him against Phoenix where, you know, take some of the load off of Paul George, throw him the ball. I mean, they kind of doubt Boogie Cousins, I guess. But, like, I mean, I'm hoping, like, a better version of Boogie Cousins where you can throw him the ball and he could pass a little bit out of it, make some plays, and just give some of those stars a rest at points. Like, I don't know how this guy's going to translate, but I know that he knows how to play, and I know that he's solid. Um, but, yeah, this late seems like good value. I suppose. Yeah. Richard, do you have anything to build off of that? Yeah, you kind of said it best. I'm in that same predicament where I don't know how he translates to. I really can't figure him out. I think he does translate. And for the record, you said Boogie. I think he's automatically day one better player than DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah. Um, but I'd hope so. I, I do think, you know, he can create for himself from the perimeter. He has some inside-out moves. You really don't see that from a 6'11 guy like him. Um, he won't ever be good at defense, but his basketball IQ is crazy good, and I think he can be pretty well-rounded on the offensive end. Can he can he shoot? He doesn't because he doesn't shoot mid ranges even, right? No, he kind of does. It's just like I think he prefers, and he can shoot out to the three-point line. He just really prefers to score inside. Okay, All right. but to be fair, I think that's a function more of the European style of play than, um, yeah. you know. Phil, you got any Sangoon takes? Um, I was not a big Sangoon guy looking into it. Obviously, I didn't have have enough or as much uh, research, but he kind of reminded me of like Al Jefferson, Emis Cantor, where he's not really getting above off the ground. Low post, and I don't know. I mean, maybe the modern NBA completely washes him out, or maybe he's one of those guys that just has the skills that can make himself stick. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely up in the air. I think he's good, and there's definitely levels of basketball around the world that he can play, but the NBA is a, a little bit different, especially stylistically. So we're just going to have to see. So that leaves us. Richard, you have Denver at 26. Man, I have no clue what to do with this team uh, at 26. Like, they seem to always get the best guy to fall, and I know they need a guard. Uh, so I might, I might end up just doing it. I'm going to take Davion Mitchell. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about 2.0. Who? Yeah. Faku 2.0. <laughs> hey, I think I think he's a – I mean, I've already said the Marcus Smart name, so I feel like I'm not allowed to anymore. But, I mean, like, he probably <laughs> is the closest prospect to Marcus Smart. Not a true point guard. Who knows about the jump shot? It might be a fluke, even though the form isn't terrible. Um, just can guard anybody crazy athletically and good, you know, good strength. Um, although Marcus Smart has a significantly better frame than Keon Johnson. So I don't know. I, I really think at 26, what a steal. Like next to Jamal Murray in the backcourt, it's a really nice fit. Yeah. So, yeah. So he, listen, like he, I've seen him all over draft boards. Um, I'm just looking at the Tankathon board just so I have all the names. I'm not using it as a reference per se, but they have him going 10. Assuming you think that's too high. What's your, like, where would you feel comfortable taking him? This low does like should he be this low or? I mean, on my personal board, this is two three spots higher than where I have him. I have him at twenty ninth. Okay. I again, I'm I'm iffy on buying him, but I do think he goes to Golden State at 
14 or seven. I, I actually don't think any of maybe Orlando at eight, which I would be very upset at, but <laughs> I, I don't really think there's a big lottery hunt for him. Yeah. What's the mate? What's the biggest concern about him? Like, like why don't you don't you think he's worthy of a lottery pick so my guys at draft dummies they said i wish i could word it better because i'm gonna botch it but pretty much you should always be wary of fourth year breakout guys barring exceptions like one guy who i'm a huge fan of this year is moses Wright, who is a senior who finally broke out and won acc player of the year but he's this is his fifth year playing basketball at a competitive level so i think that's an exception to the rule whereas davion mitchell's been playing he took a year off uh not a year off he redshirted excuse me and I, I just have some serious concerns about how much better he can continue to get and how good that shot actually is. The free throw percentage worries me, despite the form being good. The free throw percentage is worrisome, and why is he just now having this breakout from three? Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, totally. All right, Phil, you ready to take on Brooklyn? Yeah, I'm going to make it easy. Take Isaiah Jackson. Just hope we can get Claxton 2.0 or 1.0 and just have two of them. <laughs> you know they love their big – Nate has this theory that – what was it? Um, young big men that are just bouncy, they get overhyped. Yes, yes. Especially so, on good teams. You, you said so, it better than yeah. I So, So every contending team will have – like I'm talking like, re- like elite teams, like super teams preferably, will have like one or two – either guys who can jump really high or tall guys that are like, they say are switchable, but they're really not like everybody says class. You can guard one through five. You really can't, but they say that uh, like golden state had that with Jordan bell. And now uh, Brooklyn's saying that with Nick Claxton, uh, like I think the Claxton hype's completely oversold and people just kind of do it because they're tired of talking about Katie um, <laughs> Harden and Irving. So they just, they're like, Oh, Claxton, look at this guy, like the best friends player in the league, but uh, he's not. So, you know, that's, that's kind of my life. Funny thing. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, every contending team has them. I mean, I love Claxton, so I take offense to all of this. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> but I do agree, though. Over, I, I do agree with your general point, though. It's actually a very well said statement. <laughs> so yeah, Isaiah Jackson can be their second one. Yeah, they'll have even more to talk about. They'll fight over, fight between them. Yeah. Isaiah Jackson, Jackson and House Claxton. He can jump really high. When I watched Kentucky, he he would always catch like one or two lobs or grab one or two rebounds. That kind of kind of took me by surprise, but um, not really much offensively there, or am I wrong, Richard? It's raw. You're going off the upside. I think he can shoot mid-range early on, and he can kind of – he's shown flashes of being able to create one-on-one, but if you're looking for offense now, you're not getting it. You're getting offense in three years. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia, all right. I'm taking a player that – I didn't think was good this year. I thought he was very bad, but I still do think there's potential. And I think a team like Philadelphia, where I don't love any of the, I don't think there's a real win now player right uh, on the board for them at this, for for the team they have. I'm going for a player that I think can get coached up for a player that's got some, some physical tools. And I still do think there's skills and he showed some flashes. I'm going to go BJ Boston here. You don't think they're going to try to get any kind of contributor right away? I just don't see it for me. I don't, I don't see um, – I, I don't th- I don't think right now there's anybody that I'm in love with to be a contributor. Um, I know there's one player on here that Richards loves and he'll probably take next door. Maybe he won't. But, uh, <laughs> but I, 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 listen, Sixers, they need scoring. And I know B.J. Boston is not a good scorer right now, but I still do think 
he has tools. So I'm going to, I'm going to go here. I don't feel great about it, but maybe him and Maxi, Kentucky, they'll have, you know, they'll talk about stuff. It'll make them feel better. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a huge BJ Boston fan. So I can't say I, I'm like in love with the pick. I thought if you were going to go upside, actually, I thought you would go Isaiah Todd mm-hmm. as a 6'10 kind of versatile, do it all forward to an extent. But I do like the idea of Philadelphia just gaining it. You, you look at BJ Boston as a trade asset first and a potential, you know, swing of the fences second. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I watched him. I watched a decent amount of Kentucky compared to other teams, and I know he was bad. But uh, I still think there's something there. I still, I still think there's a skill set. Maybe something's unlocked. I don't know. But, yeah, my, that's my unenthusiastic pick of B. This, this is Doc Rivers essentially saying, I'm not sure if Ben, ben Simmons could be a championship point guard. I'm not sure if PJ Boston <laughs> could be an NBA player. But I'm going to take him anyway. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, Richard, you got Dude. Phoenix. I want to punt. I, I genuinely, I'm mm-hmm. stuck between five guys. I could go in every single direction. And this is single-handedly the hardest pick I will ever make. Um, let wow. me ask you guys. On our, po- on guys, our podcast, okay. Yeah, I think I think this is, uh, it just comes down to what you think they need more. A high upside guy or someone who helps next year? I think you got to go for the latter. Okay. Yeah. Now that narrows it down to two. This didn't help. I, <laughs> man, I think with, with Sarge tearing his ACL, it changed as everything. So I was going to go big, but I think I'm going to take someone who I have him 13th overall because I don't see a way he fails. And I assume this is who you were alluding to a minute ago. Uh, yeah. But I love Jeremy, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm picking him in Phoenix. That was a very difficult pick because there's like four other guys I really wanted. But he's a mistake-free player. He can fill in that Sarge role year one, I think, off the bench. Can really do a lot. I think the jump shooting is way better than the percentages, say, at, at Villanova. And despite having, you know, mediocre lateral quickness at best, he's such an intelligent team defender that he makes up for it with his basketball IQ. So I'm all in on Jeremiah. Yeah, no, I can't argue with that one. He was one of my uh, – hopefully we get him in the early second round type things or – I'd be willing to, you know, spend that 30-second pick to maybe theoretically, if people would say, like, draft up on him because I think he's really talented. And it just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, those Nova guys always figure it out. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, probably a mis- it's probably a mistake to not take a Nova guy higher. Um, they just always figure it out. So, and, yeah, and he'd be right with Macau. So, uh, two Nova guys. So, cool. I like that pick, though. Yeah, Jeremiah's a good player, for sure. Every time I watched him, he – he like he dominated college basketball, but not in the way where he's averaging thirty. Yep. It just it just always seems like he was at the right place at the right time, you know, making the shots he should make. Um, not an elite athlete by any means, but definitely physical. a very solid basketball player. Yeah, physically, physical for sure. And um, you never saw him make a mistake. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. literally the most mistake free player I think I've ever watched head into the draft. Wow. Yeah. All right. Uh last pick of the first round, Phil. You got Utah. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, it's interesting. I don't know where exactly I'm going to roll, but I'm going to kind of feel it out in the next few words. I think I'm going to roll with Ayayi just as a, as a complimentary guard in your rotation. That's kind of my argument for it. He's six, five, he's big. He can, you know, he knows how to win and he plays in a winning way. And 
I mean, Utah doesn't really have any glaring holes, so just getting a guy that can theoretically contribute right away would be the best thing to do. That's an yeah. interesting pick. I'm I'm actually pretty low on Ayayi. I I don't buy his shooting at all. And while he is a great cutter and outstanding in the pick and roll in every facet and a good defender, I don't trust his left hand and I don't trust his shooting, and this really worry me. Yeah, that's fair. I'm not a big guy on him, but I'm just thinking I did not really realize I had the Utah pick, so I was just like, okay, who did Utah pick <laughs> want? But to be fair, that actually is a very Utah pick because his analytics test checks out and they love their analytics over in Utah. I mean, they had him as a, as, as a Buki, as a top five player on their board last year because of the analytics. So really? I can see a guy who shot 57.5% as a guard and 39% from three with 78% from the line with almost no turnovers. At 6'5", they probably love him. So I could actually see that. All right. Failed upwards on that one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the first round is complete. Uh now, before I get your hot takes, Phil, uh, Richard, I don't want your hot takes while I hear them every day. Uh, the, <laughs> so the one, the one player that didn't get drafted that I'm sure if he doesn't go in the first round, he'll be pretty disappointed is uh, Ayo DeSumo. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but yeah, I'll about him. Uh, yeah. yeah, and um, listen, he's a, he was a really good college player, obviously a little bit older. Um, I had some opportunities to take him where I thought about it, but I didn't take him. Obviously, you guys didn't either. Where do you have him ranked, Richard? I have him in the 40s, uh, specifically okay. 42. Um, All right. So you're lying, comparably. Yeah, I just see a lot of Chris Dunn in him, and I don't know how valuable that is. Yeah, okay. Fair <laughs> I mean, enough. Yeah, if you, if, you say that, if you say that name, then I'm, I, <laughs> you put those kind two, of, those I two. curled up a little bit when I heard that name. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. That, that's a solid way to put it, because Chris Dunn was also a very good college player. Um, yeah. All right. Well, the first round is complete. I took note of it all, so I'm going to post it. Um, Do we want to talk I... about any second round standouts? Yeah, I I have a lot of top 30 guys still available. Wow. Okay. Give us three. Give us three with like a quick Give us your three. top three of those. Okay, uh, actually, yeah. now that I'm looking at it, it's only three. So this works out perfectly. Perfect. It felt like a lot more. Okay. Uh, or no, there's four. My bad. So it starts with um, – JT Thor at 23, I, I think, again, I, I see him as one of the climbers in the draft. I think – I really think he could get in the lottery this year. Um, just that crazy high upside, crazy lateral quickness. Uh, and then I have Roko Prokachin as the next one. And then really 1A, 1B, these are the last two. Sandro Mamukilashvili from Seton Hall and Miles McBride. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, being a Jersey guy, I've definitely seen uh, Sandro play at Seton Hall. He's a, he's a solid player. Yeah, kind of, he's a 6'11". Reminds me of a little bit, DeMontis. Yeah, yep. he's a 6'10", 6'11", point forward. All right. All right. Um, uh, any second-round guys you uh, are considering or you would hope it fall to you if you had the, I guess, 31st pick? Yeah, so, I mean, Nashawn Highland from VCU, Bones Highland. One of the other guys, this is one of the guys I was torn with on Phoenix. This would have been an absolute swing of the fences was Josh Primo from Alabama. I think he's yeah, got yeah. insane self-creation upside. Would have loved to see him, you know, on one of those winning teams, let him develop and then all of a sudden be a secret weapon. Yeah, I had Josh Primo in my uh, second rounders. My guys were, I'm big on Dacian Knicks. I don't know where you stand on him. Yeah, I don't hate me. I'm, I'm pretty low on him. 
That's okay. I just really liked it. <laughs> for some reason, I ended up catching a lot of G League games. And for, I don't know why, but I assume that the G League competition is – maybe I'm overestimating the G League competition in, as opposed to D1. But I'm thinking, like, wow, if that guy can legitimately, you know, create that kind of offense in terms of the G League, typically he'll be a decent passer, at least a backup guard in terms of, you know, pick and roll play in the NBA. So I had him. I was big on uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I like Isaiah Todd. Primo was on there. And then my last guy was Wise Camp. I think he's going to be a decent shooter at the very yeah, least. He's, he's the best chance to be a Duncan Robinson type in the class. Yeah. Nate, anybody? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like Wise Camp. Um, another guy that I saw that you, I think, even interviewed uh, him, uh, Richard. And I know he's older. I actually didn't realize he was older. But when I watched him play uh, in the tournament, I was really intrigued by this guy. It was Herb Jones. Uh, I just think physically he's very interesting. I don't know. He's a fluid athlete, super tall, super long. Is he? Is he? Do you have him ranked high? In the, I think most people have him like the fifties. Is that where you have him? Yeah, I have him actually in the forties, late forties. Uh, okay, nah, early forties. Now that I look at it, one spot above BJ Boston, and he's actually in between Boston and Iota Sinmu. So I, I love that he improved his jump shot. Incredibly hard worker. I asked him about it. I about how he improved from I think eight percent last year to like thirty five percent, and I mean he, his work ethic was just unreal. So. Someone like that with his defensive prowess and SEC player of the year, he'll find a spot in the league. All right. Cool. So that's the mock. That will replace the hot takes. I'll, I'll let you off the hook, Richard, even though now we know that Greg hey. Brown is undraftable, apparently. <laughs> hey, I can I can still give him real quick if you want. All right. Quick hot takes. Quick hot All right, takes. So book scorching night at five. hot. Scorching hot. Book- Book night at five. I have Greg Brown in the seventies or eighties, depending on how the board falls after the let's withdrawals call it, tonight. Let's call it the two hundreds. Let's let's the say two- you got D three players ahead of them. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, zero. <laughs> that makes it hotter. Zero of those. Uh, and then I we're guess, trying to get those clicks. Yeah, trying to get the clicks exactly. No, and then I have Sandro <laughs> in my top thirty, which I haven't seen anybody else put him there, but that just seems blatantly obvious to me. Wow. Okay. Can you shoot? Can you shoot threes? Yeah. And okay. and the best part, like, how many 6'10 guys out, like, not named Ben Simmons are running a pick and roll? Yeah, that's fun. It'd be him and Sandro. Wait, that's it. <laughs> Is Luka Garza draftable? You know, I always give the de- benefit of the doubt to hard workers, and I've heard he has a crazy good work ethic. So, yes, I would say, but I wouldn't take him before 45. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Seems like a decent spot. All right, Richard, well – a lot of fun. A lot of fun, as always. Um, if you don't consume Richard's content, you got to do it. He's the best draft guy out there, and I'm not saying that just because he's on. Even though maybe I am just saying because he's on. He'll never know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's actually because he is. That's I because I'm on. He's honestly the only draft guy I really listen to, only podcast I listen to. Um, Richard, where can we find you? What stuff do you have coming up? It's, it's awesome content. Hey, really appreciate the kind words. Uh, so I do the Locked On NBA Draft every Tuesday. I do audio scouting reports. Uh, you know, I do scouting reports every day on my website, matchdraft.com. And in case you don't want to read and you just want to listen, like, for eight minutes or something, five eight minutes is usually what I aim for. I do the scouting reports and breakdown on uh, guys I've been watching most recently and trying to do almost everyone in the class. So that's, that's what I got coming up for the next few weeks till the draft. 
Awesome. Awesome. And of course, follow him on Twitter. Um, Twitter handle is at Mavs draft. He's live tweeting NBA games. He's talking about prospects all day. So if you got Twitter, just follow him. It's easy. And uh, yeah, that's going to be that for the second mock draft. Uh, as always, you guys know where to find us on Twitter at HoopScoopPod. Listen to our podcast on our platform. Catch us on YouTube, HoopScoop. We got a new video coming out soon. We made a little RJ Barrett highlight tape that will be a little some good fun. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. I'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Yeah.